Hello there and welcome to the podcast. It's John Markar here and I thought I'd just jump in with a very quick but very important message that I wanted to share with you before you delve into this episode of the Driven Chat podcast. This podcast, the Driven Chat podcast, has now come to an end. But don't worry, I'm not going to stop you from listening to this episode or from catching up with the 185 episodes that we've recorded in this format. I just wanted to let you know that if you're looking for our new episodes recorded after December 2023, then you'll need to seek out our new podcast, The Driven Podcast. You can find The Driven Podcast in all the usual podcast platforms, including, chances are, the one that you're listening to this one on right now. So please do enjoy this episode, share it with a friend by all means. But when it's done, don't forget to search for the new podcast, The Driven Podcast, and subscribe to the new format to hear the new stuff. To make life easy, head on over to the Driven website via driven.site. There you will find links through to the new podcast, including links to your preferred podcast platform. And hey, whilst you're there, why not check out everything else we do, including hand-picked automotive news stories, car and bike reviews, video features, and even more. For now, though, I'll let you enjoy this episode. And I will remind you again at the end of the episode, but for the future reference, this message is approximately 1 minute and 30 seconds long. That's six clicks on the 15-second skip button. Enjoy. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hello, dear listener. It's John Marco here from the Driven Chat podcast and welcome to the latest episode where this week we are doing things a little bit differently because in this pod we have not one but two fantastic recordings for you yep that is two for the price of one if you're a regular listener you'll know that our pods are usually around an hour or so long uh, but this week we've combined two slightly shorter recordings for your listening pleasure for the first recording i was away so you've got Mr. Andy Jay and Miss Amy Shaw talking to the delightful Shane Lynch. Uh, now, Shane is pretty famous for being a singer in the boy band Boyzone, uh, but he now competes in the world of drifting and, as you're about to find out, has some pretty spectacular car chat. Then after Shane, I'll say a quick hello again and fade in our next conversation. Now, if you've been following us on social media, chances are you will have seen a rather beautiful black Ferrari 250 short wheelbase revival built by the amazing brains and engineers at GTO Engineering. So we have a chat with Mark Lyle who's the owner of GTO, about the car and its backstory. So let's jump in, let's get started. First up, here's Andy and Amy in conversation with Shane Lynch. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Hey there, how are you doing? Welcome to another Driven Chat Podcast, the car and automotive and racing audio experience for your ears and we really appreciate you guys downloading this we've learned quite a lot about the people that tune into this show and download and subscribe and it turns out that our hope that we would be the first thing that you have with a coffee on a monday morning seems to be true and i'll tell you what we are bringing you a very special guest today you'll know him for a million other things 
But if you love your cars and racing, you'll also know him for this. He is, of course, Boyzone's finest, the marvellous Shane Lynch. How are you doing, Shane? <laughs> hey, I'm far from the finest, but, you know, I'll take that all day long. I think comfortably it's easy to say you're our favourite member of Boyzone. Well, God yeah, bless you. Sure. Thanks very much. <laughs> Only because I like cars, though. That's all it exactly. is. Exactly. <laughs> That's why you're definitely our favourite. <laughs> How's it going? Good. Yeah, really, really good. I think, uh, do you know what? In fact, in far, as far as machines and cars and motorsport don't let that go uh, out of the members of Boyzone I think okay I'd, I'd be a clear first I'll take that one right? I'll, I'll, I'm a definite clear first for being a car fanatic um, I would say Roe Roe comes second for sure really, really? Have, you, yeah. have you influenced the rest of them to, to come on board with the cars and bikes and well as youngsters we've always been into cars but I think uh, although Mikey Graham he was a car mechanic but he's not really into cars I know that's a bit of a mad thing he's not yeah. mad on cars because you were, you were a mechanic as well at one point weren't you or, I was yes yeah, so is that what brought you into cars uh, or is it kind of more childhood kind of Yes, thing? from a young man, young boy, <laughs> uh, as I'm told, uh, my, I was um, a week old at my first racetrack. That's what I was told. That's a awesome. week? A week old. <laughs> my mama came to take uh, me, well, I have two older sisters. It would have been me and my two older sisters at the time uh, to see my dad race. He was uh, used to race hot rods and stuff. Oh, really? Yeah. Cool. Uh, around an oval, so back in Irish ovals. Uh, so, yeah, apparently I was a week old, but yeah. That's awesome. So it's kind of like a hot rod, what, Indy 500 kind of vibe. Yeah, I think, well, a lot of it was stock car. Or a hot Na- rod, NASCAR. Hot rod. Na- yeah, I mean, yeah. I'd love to go as far back as to say it was NASCAR stuff. Uh, but no, they were just hot hatches and, and things, and bangers and stuff like that. You Wicked. know what I mean? So a bit more rough and ready and a bit, a few more welding rods than anything else. <laughs> you know? I love that you're. That this was a week old. So I just have this, like nowadays when I see kids at racetracks, they've all got these baby bands on. You know, these things on their ears <laughs> stopping the noise. I love the idea that actually they were just like, no, Shane will be all right. It'd be but, good. Yeah, don't, don't worry about the ear protectors. He'll be all right. So, so was a Hot Rod one of the first cars you ever got behind the wheel of as like a kid? Or Yes, technically. Um, believe it or not, uh, it, I used to, it was my, like my playground. So outside my house, instead of having like swings and seesaws or whatever in your back garden, uh, there was always a Hot Rod in the driveway. <laughs> and so that so was, like I used to play, dream. climb on it, jump in and out of it. You know, that was my, that's how I grew, I grew up in, in a car. That was my playground. Yeah, it's kind of one of those things, isn't it, where you only know how good you've got it after the fact <laughs> and now you can say that sentence at the time it was just like oh I'm climbing into dad's car but like now you look back on it I'm in a hot rod oh, age, 100%, age nothing 100% I, I think uh, I, but that's my mum because all doors used to be welded up and stuff so I t- you, you couldn't get out unless you climb window so I think my mum used to put me through the window <laughs> and then collect me later on in the day I don't it's know like where she used pen. to go <laughs> yeah it's my playpen leave you in there and then it's like oh safe is in there absolutely, you can't get out absolutely that's what it was <laughs> do you know what I mean she had her hands full to be fair because you're one of loads of children so at least knowing you're happy and safe in fact if it was a hot rod there wouldn't have even been a horn well, that's true <laughs> that's true it, it was just uh, tears from uh, and, and the cries of uh, whatever when you cut yourself off the sharp metal that was in there <laughs> you know what I mean? hey! wiling out of me boy. <laughs> brilliant so it's so your life obviously started with with cars and stuff then Aye. did the music get in the way of your then racing or have you always thought you know what i want to get into racing at some point in my life how, how did that kind of journey start uh no music definitely never got in the way of racing it gave me the opportunity to race without cool. a doubt uh i, I think okay I'm, i might have uh, done a little bit of grassroots stuff if if anything i don't think i would have had the money to go on and do any more uh i think my 
uh, especially hot rod stuff, I think you're you, you're kind of pigeonholed to to the oval. Um, but to get onto an actual circuit or a, or a racetrack takes a lot more money. And I, back then, I don't think I don't know my opportunities. But music, being a in boy zone into the late nineties without a shadow of a doubt, gave me my world of motorsport. And that was, and basically out of um, guest drives, to be honest, guest drives. I think um, my first one, me and Ron Keaton did, in Ireland, my very first race ever was in Ireland. We, we were racing uh, Fiat Unos. Oh. Cool. Fiat Unos, <laughs> yeah. And I, I don't even remember having a race license, if I'm honest, back then. <laughs> and I, I think we were just a loud race. I know, but that's Ireland for well, you. Well, basically, because you're in boy zone, you don't need a race license. <laughs> for something like that. <laughs> and I think the, the, the I think Ro beat me that day, actually. So that's what I mean. He's, he's definitely a clear second in Madden's and Cars. <laughs> uh, I, I had an off. I'm sure I had an Would off. Would he beat you now, though, if you were to go back to the track? I might, you, you know. I thought, you know, he's a good driver. I've got to say, he's a good driver. I'm okay. Maybe I've got a bit more um, uh, rehearsal time under my belt. Racecraft. Yes, <laughs> well, I'll call it rehearsal time. You know what I mean? Because that's all it is. <laughs> Every time you get in a car, you're just rehearsing for the next race. <laughs> you know what I mean? What I love about this, though, Shane, is that you know we we will obviously talk about drifting because it's something Aye. that you went on to be like really good at. But but it's not just you know we've we've touched on. Hot rods, but if if memory serves and my memory's shaky, so I, I got to apologize. Mine too, right now. <laughs> but you, if I remember, I think it was something like two thousand and three. You were really close to winning British GT, weren't you? I was very close to winning British yeah, GT. Yeah, tell us the story of that because I've kind of had a little bit of an idea, but then I made you stop talking about it because we started chatting about it earlier. I said, no, don't tell me the ending. So yeah, what happened? Oh, I, I kind of came up through the ranks of. Um, I, tr- I tried rallying first. Let yeah. me go back a little bit before I get to the actual what I would say um, my glory point in motorsport before I went into drifting. Um, I, I started in rally cars, and but my my gift uh, or chance was purely by being a celebrity of getting into motorsport period and i was uh, i was asked to drive in a celebrity race um in the autosport show nice back in 1998 maybe cool. maybe okay. about 98 so it's it's quite some time ago and i was like yeah cool love it sounds great mad about cars let's go to the autosport show uh, turned up expecting uh, TV personalities, other boy band members, or whatever the case may be. Uh, but that wasn't the case. Um, there was John Cleland, there was Alan McNeish, there was Alistair McRae. Well, these, uh, are, these are peddlers. Oh, no, these, <laughs> these, these are pure boys. Yeah. You know what I mean? You have touring car drivers, Le Mans drivers, rally drivers. You've got the boys. You've got yeah. the big boys, and then this guy called Shane Lynch from a boy band, right? <laughs> so I was kind of, kind of there going, that's right. not that's not a celebrity race. That's a bunch of retired racers and you. Well, yeah, and don't forget, this is back in the day. They were all still in their sports. Oh, man, this is 1998. Yeah. You know what I mean? Just 22 years ago. So, so them, them boys were driving, racing drivers, yeah, and a and dude me. from boys zone. Correct. So I was like, all right, cool. So uh, a bit of my car history and just my rear wheel drive skills. We were racing uh, Caterham Sevens and my 8086 world, as in Toyota Corolla twin cams. That's kind of my rear wheel drive world. Um, very used to kind of sideways action so I was like yeah cool man Cage from 7 no problem Brilliant. so what I did was the, the, the clerk of the course let's call him at the time he kind of said right boys uh, it's just for fun it is just a show and you know it's not serious the autosport show uh, audience comes in they all, they all watch you participate in this race uh, they said keep it clean keep it easy uh, to the drivers and they said well, okay Shane what we're going to do with you is we're going to put you at the back so you're going to get in the boys ways but just go and have fun I was like yeah cool no problem I ain't got no problems with that and 
long story short, I think I came third in the race. Yeah. Yeah. So, have that McNish. In fact, he did. He, McNish did come up after and he was like, in his in his lovely Scottish accent, he was saying he should take up singing and stuff like that. It, it was, we, we did have good banter he's at the time. Lo- he's a lovely He's bloke. a very nice a man. And that, and that day, pretty much, I got so- signed to Ford Motorsport. So, Ford used to have the big awesome. rig there at the time. Of course you did. They came and said, oh, Mr. Lynch, we'd, uh, we think we'd like to have a word with you uh, <laughs> and stuff. And so, I started rallying uh, with, the, with the KA came out. Uh, it was front wheel drive stuff I did have a few offs and to be truthful with you I, I didn't particularly like it if you had a game of Mark II or something uh, an escort of course uh, I would have been in my element yeah. being a rear guy and uh, it didn't it, so rallying didn't quite work out for me I did my interna- I had my international and I did a few big races and stuff mm-hmm. or rallies um, but no I, I, I just I didn't want to go faster we actually we met at Lydon Hill Really? I remember you and I, I think it was, and it was quite early doors for you, so it might have been around that time. And I can remember walking away. Firstly, I thought, what a decent guy. Do you know what I mean? God I bless you. <laughs> no, I was genuinely, I thought, a solid man. But then I thought, because I, I used to know Pat Duran quite well. Big Pat, you must know him. Obviously, Liam's dad. I know the Durans very well. Beautiful I just, family. I thought to myself, and, and Pat had said, come on out. And I was like, I, know that I can't risk that. I couldn't handle a night with you oh, really? Durans. That would have that would have probably destroyed you. I would have been in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I would have lasted about half an hour, I reckon. I love Liam actually. Liam's obviously a monster uh, guy as well as in Monster Energy. Uh, so we're, yeah, the Durans are I've known for many, many years for sure. Big Pat scares me. Big old Pat. He's a lovely, lovely man. He's a lovely man. <laughs> lovely man. You know what I mean when I say he scares me. Oh hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> scares me too. <laughs> Come here, boy. <laughs> How are you, Pat? What's the crack? <laughs> yeah, you got him down to a team. Yeah. So I think that's when we first met was at Lydon, which is obviously Pat's place. And then we met about five years later and you were drifting there. Okay. Like, this is sound. Well, hang on. So jump I, from rallying to drifting is a huge thing. Yeah, I well, don't know this crossover. So It's not quite crossed over yet. I rallied into about 2000 um, and did a couple of Welsh rallies, some Irish rallies, 2K, obviously French rally. And, all that. Um, and then I got the opportunity to drive race cars. Again, just through, uh, would you like to come and drive? And I didn't have a license again for race cars, only rally license. So I went to Silverstone like everybody does. Uh, did whatever the course is called, got my license, uh, and then I started to race uh, Genetta's. Um, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, Genetta's, for, I think it was a, uh, back in then, I was like a G20 or G27 or something like that. Uh, raced those, won a few trophies in the novice kind of scenario, bumped my way up, and I ended up racing with a team called Eclipse Motorsport. Okay. Um, and they ran the Genetta. Mm-hmm. Uh, and after that, I got a bit okay. I got good. I started to be up the front. I started to kind of bring home trophies. And then we, we started to look at um, the idea of going into British GTs uh, with the same team, Eclipse. And then uh, kind of in amongst that, uh, I went over to Germany, did um, some po- uh, stuff with Porsche, Germany for the Grand Prix. And just like st- things had to happen in motorsport. And then into like little... Uh, uh, what it, say it, uh, Leon's with the with a championship and some just, just I guess drives here and there here mm-hmm. and there and then the championships stuff started with British GTs uh, and I raced maybe till '03. Started off in a Marcus Mantus and then we went up to a quicker Marcus Mantus and then we went into a TVR Tuscanor 400 and we de- we developed that car for maybe about a year and a half two years and then we were going for the big one which I say '03. Yeah. 03 or late 03, maybe it was even 04. I can't actually remember. But either way, um, we got it, we, this car was going good. It was going good. Uh, the championship was looking real well. At the time, my, my teammate, um, my, my he, uh, Pierce Johnson, and he was a great driver. He was faster than me. 
by about half a second, which is quite a lot in GTs. Yeah. Uh, he was he was the kind of the pole setter all the time. I I'm a great consistent driver. That's why GTs was good for me. Yeah. I would get in, I would bang out the same lap over and over and over again without fail. Uh, I never had the hero inside me. I just never had the the, the pole position lap. I just couldn't do it. Um, and but Pierce was great. He was a great driver. We uh, we were looking to win the championship last race of the round, and basically I think I was leading for a roughly 20 minutes mm. we were a train awesome. there was myself another TVR behind us I think it was DeWalt Tools TVR uh, and possibly a Corvette uh, at the time and we were a three car train for 20 minutes nobody could get we were so <laughs> on it it was a beautiful like one of my best and, and most favourite bit, bits of driving ever because it felt right yeah. it felt like you were just man and machine you were one together nice. yeah. looking in the mirrors knowing that these boys are not coming past <laughs> beautiful feeling and um we had about two laps to go to hand over for halfway in the race before we changed drivers uh, with Pierce. And we came up on a back marker. Uh, we used to run a Marcus Mantis and we came up on a Marcus Mantis. So I happened to blow an engine on the Friday's practice. We had an engine, so we gave him an engine. Uh, back at the workshop, the boys went and got it, brought it, fit it in his car. And we came up on this guy and he tried to get out of the way. Oh. Uh, and it's all, it's all on TV, man. It's all on camera. And he put two wheels on the grass and he spat across oh. the, the track. And as we was approaching this guy sideways on a track, it was basically choose left, choose right. And he was rolling one way, so I chose the opposite. But then he so happened to stop and then roll back <laughs> the, oh. the opposite way. That's and it was a big old accident. It was a big old accident. I didn't, I didn't feel it was that big at the time. He had just rolled into kind of my... Uh, just as my steering wheel passed and where that front pillar passed and there was a big bang a wallop and the car spun around and blah 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 and in the footage in the in-car footage I'm still selecting gear and I can hear the note of the engine I'm trying to accelerate and select gear and nothing's going anywhere basically you ripped the back axle off but you don't know that at the time you've got a helmet on you're focused yes the windscreen smashed but yes you, you just want to get back to the pits no 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 it can't be over yeah. and, then, and then eventually I was like right shut it down went to get out the door and there's no door there of course not it ripped the whole door off ripped oh, the rear wow. axle off ripped this car was in absolute flitters and you know what I got back to the pits and all I could do was cry. Yeah. And not because of the championship. Mm. I cried because of the team. I cried because, obviously, uh, it was a big accident. But I don't think that's what I was crying about. I, was, I just felt bad. Mm. I felt bad that I let the team down. It was such a weird time in motorsport. But without it, I, that shook me. That definitely shook me. Uh, and I think I, I stayed away f for a little bit, and certainly in championships, and then kind of teetered around, uh, kind of little guest drives here and there got my feet back and started to win some trophies again. But you know, I, I think motorsport in, in that big scenario, we started to talk about going to Le Mans right. then. And I was like, Ooh, do I really want to go back into that heavily pressured yeah. side of things? Um, and I didn't. I found the world of drifting. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, how did that just appear? Because obviously that's something that, like, so I've been in the car world for quite a few years now. Drifting is something I've never had the chance to go and experience. So how do you go, or how did you go mm. from, yeah, British GT to suddenly drifting? Does somebody say to you, hey, have you ever, ever tried this, this drifting thing? I think you'd be quite good with your real-wheel drive experience. I, I went on the same weekend um, to two different types of motorsport that I was looking at or looking to get into as such. Uh, when Rockingham was built and all that, they were about to go and I, I don't know what NASCAR championship was about to come over, blah de blah I went and had a drive in a NASCAR and incredibly fast, without a doubt, but wasn't me, it wasn't my character. Mm -hmm. um, and then in the same weekend, I went and uh, sat in a drift car 
and it blew my mind. <laughs> blew my mind. I mean, I could drive sideways, but not like this. Really? Like the whole Tokyo Drift had just come out, the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift. It came out, the guy's doing like a sideways thing up, uh, the, the wheelie gig up in the car park and the this and that. And I looked at it and I didn't know it was real. And I, I didn't believe it was real. I thought it was just a movie. Which actually makes it even cooler. Yeah. That's what made yeah. it even cooler. I sat with this guy, Northern Irish guy, I can't remember his name, God bless him, uh, in a an S13, which is a Nissan S13. And what this guy did in the car, I mean, it, it's, I, it blew my mind so much. I was like, oh my God, I've got to learn how to do this. <laughs> and then that day, I sat in an A86 that somebody had, which is a, a twin cam Corolla. And, it just came to me. It flowed to me pretty naturally mm. and I was like, oh my God, I, I love this. And that was in Silverstone, actually, a little practice day in Silverstone. And then there was a guy there who I went on, a guy called Paul McCallum. He had started a company called Jap Speed. And Jap Speed, he had bought his own, I think it was an R32, which is in the Nissan Skyline. He had bought his own R32. Not, I don't even think he was going to drift it. He just bought it as a beautiful street car. And he goes, should we just make it this into a, a drift car and you come drift for my team? <laughs> and I said, what's your team? And he goes, I don't have one yet, but you're my team. And I went, like, brilliant. <laughs> All right, let's do it. And the team was Japspeed. Awesome. And, and Japspeed, we, we, we had a, I don't know, we were the biggest team in Europe, won the most constructive championships. And yeah, I, it was 10 years of drifting. I love that you've just kind of thrown that away. Like it was, yeah, we're <laughs> the biggest, biggest team in Europe. We've won everything. That's massive, man. That's, awesome. That's huge. Yeah, huge. And I think I've I seen drifting come on leaps and bounds. I mean, it originates obviously in Japan mm -hmm. and it originates uh, probably in a lot of A886s as in the Corollas and stuff. The, the boys just going out up the mountains um, and just starting to link these corners uh, in these, what they called trains at the time. And just a train of cars is linking these uh, mountain roads. And when it became onto a circuit then and became an actual sport, uh, back in the day, I remember second gear being second gear. If you got into third gear, you were doing serious stuff. By the time we left drifting, uh, I was driving a 100,000 pound drift car, fifth gear flat, 100 mile an hour entries, backwards entries, like insane, r up against walls, like running up against, your wall is your marker, that's your yeah, scrub yeah. point, and your millimeters, you're, you know, on, you're on the wall technically, and it got so big and incredible and expensive, and I didn't think it'd ever get there like GT's was, then all of a sudden, of course, all eyes on you, you've got monster sponsors, you've that's got Snap-on, you've got this, you've got tire sponsors, and, and you're back in the position that you kind of left racing in the first place was too much pressure and they're like uh oh here <laughs> we are again here it is. oh no <laughs> um, but what an amazing world and I think it's still it's growing massively still without a doubt the US is probably the leading uh, championship stuff uh, Formula D uh, we over here in the UK and the British Jeep Championship is going for a long time it's doing good I went to the first round uh, in Three Sisters was only about two weeks back and actually the paddock was bonged mm -hmm. absolutely bonged and the machines now I mean the machines that the, these guys even even like the the AMs like the amateur drivers are coming in with 600 brake standard <laughs> 600 brake like if you don't have anything more than that then you're like what have you got in your garage well just one of these yeah that's, stand, that's standard power and now yeah. the big boys are 1000 plus without a shadow of a doubt 1000 plus brake horse and it's mental mental and, and, the way, and why it went that way is because people thought, obviously, to slide the car, you pump up your tires real hard, you get it to, to, or isn't it better in the rain, that kind of stuff. No, what happened was you needed more grip. But then once you had more grip, you needed more power. And it just kept climbing and climbing. The better the tire manufacturers kind of built tires for drifting is the more kind of power we had to find to break the grip in order yeah. to... You need it as much as you don't need it and need to go forward as well as sideways. Don't forget that. So with the actual, like, customization of the cars themselves, does a lot have to be done to be able 
able to like handle that grip and that force that you'll get from having to break the grip and then get around quarters and stuff like how it, yeah are the cars modded much or I know nothing about yeah, it yeah I mean look technically uh, look with drift car plain and simply is lots of luck in terms of angle on your steer yeah. and power yep. and once you have those first two you can go drifting and then you go get into technical things of obviously the more power the stronger the gearbox mm-hmm. the tr- stronger the drive trains the stronger the diffs and everything goes beefier 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 like any race car does um, as such uh, but no your initial thing is plenty of power plenty of lock and away you go <laughs> it sounds easy I, I don't think it is easy <laughs> <laughs> it does sound easy but no I think what the I, I'm about three years or so maybe a little more out of the saddle mm-hmm. uh, me and the boys on boys we went on a world tour and obviously I, I hung up my race boots for the time but when I came back I I was happy enough out it's a funny yeah. thing. I was in so deep and in so big. Uh, I came back three years later and I seen it, it actually moved on. How can drifting move on? It really, do, it's just, it keeps, it continues to move on. And I realized I'm too long out of the saddle. I might do some shows. I might do some demos. I might do something like that, but competition long gone for me. It's a moment in time as well. Yeah. You know, and you've achieved things that, you know, everybody, you evolved, don't you? Mind you, you know that phrase, big in Japan? Yes. It's like a well-known, <laughs> like from childhood. Oh, I'm really yeah. big in Japan, right? <laughs> Because drifting started in Japan, I would love you to just go to Japan, drift something, boys zone on the stereo. Yes. <laughs> windows down. I mean, imagine that would go viral. That would be hilarious. Drifting through Tokyo <laughs> with, with the hits blasting out the car. It'd be amazing. I got close to that, meaning <laughs> close to that, that, that. We actually finished up uh one of our, I think it was not October, September, maybe September-ish, on our world tour last year, uh, we, we played Japan. And the boys all flew home the, that night. They got the last plane after the concert out and flew home. But I stayed for an extra day and I went I went and drifted with some of the, the Tokyo cool. boys. And it was unbelievable, amazing experience. The only thing I didn't do was play boys on. But <laughs> gotta do that. So <laughs> that was the only thing. Well, so this is something I was thinking about. Obviously being massive music lover yourself, before races and stuff, do you have like a little playlist of music or anything that you listen to to get yourself like pumped up, ready? Like, is there anything like you do to or listen to to, to get you in the Not mood? music. No, I never did. I never, I was never, music never got me going like that. Mm. Um, all I ever did is in, in race cars anyway, I used to sit um, in the truck actually, in the big rig that I used to tow the, the cars. I used to sit in the truck with my helmet on and uh, helmet, gloves, suit on. And I used to drive that track in my mind, changing gear, turning in, braking, accelerating, you know, everything that I was doing in a race that I'd, I'd, I'd basically, uh, I'd qualify in or whatever the case may be, I would just drive the track, drive the track for about 20 minutes before I got in the race car. That mm. was my kind of ritual. And the same in a drift car. I used to, I used to sit uh, in the rig and I used to like listen to engine notes in my mind, obviously, yeah. uh, when I'm flicking in, pulling handbrakes, when I'm accelerating, when I'm, uh, you know, on and off, left foot braking, and just driving, driving, and driving, and driving in my mind, S- seeing the clipping points, hitting clipping points, and then basically get in the car, put my helmet on, well, it's oddly still on, actually, <laughs> to be honest, just get in the car, and then go to the start line. And so that, that was my little get ready for. That's the Rafa Nadal route, isn't it? He would, he would visualize mm-hmm. winning shots. Aces, yeah. etc. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's basically the same thing. Same Ty- thing. Tiger Woods does the same. Imagines really? the part and sees it sinking. Right, right, right. Sees it before he plays it. 
Yes. So you were effectively doing the same thing. I guess so. Yeah, effectively doing that. See, seeing that checker flag forest and stuff. That's <laughs> like, good then. I'm going to take this on board for my, for my first race at the end of this month. Yeah, yeah. Amy's, Amy's helped. Racing. Yeah. yeah, we spoke earlier and you were saying your Rudy first race is yeah. coming up, which is yeah, incredible. Yeah, yeah. You said a Jag, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. An XJS Jag. So nice. it's going to be heavy. So I'm, I'm going to hope that it's also yeah, heavy and white. So I'm going to hope that I'm going to get gamer places in the straights. I don't know. Because <laughs> I'm a bit worried about the corners. And I just, I just don't want to finish. I don't want to finish last, but at the same time, I don't want to crash. So I'm just going to try and, you know, even if I'm like second from last, that's all I really care about. So, uh, yeah, that's that's the plan. It's what everything you're saying, I'm I'm honestly absorbing and trying to take on board to be like, right, I'm going to try and do all of that. And so She's then I'm quick. like, yeah. She's quick. Well, yeah, I, well she's I still think we need to, we need to do a driven chat cart day and we need to invite people like yourself down i think and uh yeah i think we could have a, a good day i mean i imagine you're you're going to be at the back andy just I, kind i'm of like happily <laughs> at the back or, or in the pits to be honest. Oh, oh hold on this sounds very familiar to me in 1998 i'm happily at the back and all of a sudden dark horse here yeah, all around around the outside of every one of us i'm just a pool shark listen i've got three words for you because you've you've ruled out the mother race which is fair enough but i reckon you might like this le mans classic Yes. Oh, come on. I actually think yes. Yeah. I, I'd, I'd better prefer Le Mans Classic than anything in this stage of my life. Yeah. Without a doubt. I think it's something I could connect to now. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really important in motorsport or in any sport you get into um, that I found. If I didn't connect to it, why the hell am I doing it? Mm-hmm. And I think back when I was 20 years racing, if you asked me to do a classic, I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, why would I do that? Possibly. But now... Without a doubt, I, I think that's something I could absolutely 100% be, be interested in. I reckon you in a Bugatti T35B. I don't know about that much classic. <laughs> I don't know. I remember meeting you in the middle somewhere, like an yeah, XS, yeah, like you said. Yeah, come along with me on my, <laughs> yeah. my, my, my 80s, my 70s, 80s kind of classic. Yeah, yeah that I would mean, be if you're fun. going down that, what about a Ferrari F40? Oh, yeah, all day long. That yeah, would be all smart. That would be, that'd be I nice. mean, it's, yeah, that'd be crazy. It's yeah. a little bit different to my XJS or 280SLs I'm going to be in, but uh, that works. That'll still be fun. <laughs> it's funny yeah. how, yeah, as you as you get older or, or you start to look at different things or you, you feel a different way, um, that other things start to uh, be attractive to you, of course, where I would have never looked at that stuff at all. But no, I, I like what you're thinking. I think that could work, man. And, and the Monaco Historique. I hate Monaco. Really? <laughs> Why? Glad you I know what? I hate Monaco. I've never, of course, I've never driven Monaco. I just hate Monaco <laughs> because I paid. <laughs> A uh, hundred euro for a bottle of Heineken and a pizza. What? So that's why I hate Monaco. No. You should be singing for your supper. I know. <laughs> you should not be paying for it. It was one of those things. I was on the Gumball in 2013. Mm-hmm. And uh, uh, I won the Gumball, actually, in 2013. But I was on the Gumball. Brilliant. We stopped, <laughs> Brilliant. We stopped in, in Monaco. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I just remember going off-site uh, on the Grand Prix, just got out of town, and even still out of town, I paid a hundred bucks for one bottle of Heineken and a pizza. So yeah, I'm not going back there. You That's should have insane. said to them, "Come on, I've just won the Gumball, and, <laughs> and I'm in Boy Zone. <laughs> Come on, let's <laughs> free lunch. Someone's going to give me a free lunch somewhere." I love that we've managed to get Gumball Three Thousand in here as well, because the guy that's usually in this pod with us, a guy called John Markar, will mention it week in week out. Oh really? Because mm-hmm. he worked. Yep. At, he worked. You probably was. Okay. He was running it the year you were you were, you okay, were okay. racing in it actually. With Max. Max is the owner, isn't he? Yeah, he's Max the, owns the, it. Yeah, yeah. The, and it's Eve is his missus. Yes, it? correct. Yeah, correct. Yeah, 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 yeah. We've got to Rapper do Eve, yeah. as well. Are there any kind of like automotive things, either events or rallies or anything that you've always wanted to do that you've not been able to do yet? Especially as you said now that you've kind of gone through the process of various like, car cultures, racing and drifting, etc. Yeah. Is there anything that you've now thought, you know what, really fancy doing that one day? The own, not, in, not actually sitting in the seat, no. I don't think I, I have desire to 
go fast anymore. Mm-hmm. I know that's really weird. When I when I kind of retired from going fast, um, I, ha- I I missed a massive part of my life. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like, she, she noticed uh, an obvious change of of something missing in my life. Mm-hmm. And I think it was, but I but I was over it. But I, I couldn't believe I was over going fast. I didn't want to go fast. And it was a really weird thing. And I think going into the world of boys' own and then stepping back was the best thing I ever did because it allowed me to step back nicely and not regret and just think, oh, maybe I shouldn't and go back into a car. And I think anytime you get back into a car like that and it's already over for you in your mind, things go wrong and bad things happen. So I was kind of not, I'm nicely out. So the only thing I'd like to do or things I'd like to do is because I love my dad and he's my world car mm-hmm. culture and that's he, he, that's what runs through my veins and he gave me birth, he gave me life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? I, I want to go to more events like head out to NASCAR, head out to Indy 500s, head out to stuff just with my dad yeah. and drink cool. beer, yeah. drink <laughs> beer and watch racing, you know? And that's that's the, the things I want to do in motorsport now. You should do a road trip with him across Definitely. America, race to race. Mm. Yes, yeah, that yeah, would be nice. That. that would be Don't nice. Think? Yeah. Be really cool. And do you know what? That's, that's the things you should do in life. Yeah. And what you're suggesting is absolutely right. But you know, we never do it do we no. we got, don't do it you've got to plan it like i'd on, love to the, the, so like over this summer i've just done my first like motorbike trip with my dad and right. i just thought to myself right you know what? i'm just gonna plan it three days and i'm so glad that i did because the same you know life gets busy and you end up thinking i'll do it next year or the, there'll be another time or whatever or the, I don't know, the weather's bad or whatever and mm. you just think if you always thought that you'd never do it and honestly i will remember that trip now for the rest of my life and you just Amazing. think well, you've got the, the chance to kind of hang out with with your dad. Definitely mm. go and do it. So, like, I'm now trying to say to you, come on, like, can you get a trip in before the end of the year? Like, what what's left, I suppose, of, of kind of, like... Probably not this year. Yeah, no, I think we're screwed yeah. this year for sure. But, no, it, it is it's something we should trip. do as our, you know, our loved ones. And all of a sudden, it's just too late, isn't it? And you think, oh, my gosh, I, I, I just should have done it. And nothing stops you from doing it but yourself, really. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so you're right. You're right. I, sh- I should... Take a feather from your cap and <laughs> stick it in my own and go down them roads. Yo, what would you What would you want to go for a little... Say you would do a road trip. What would you go in? Oh, oh good question. I'm a truck guy. So it'd have well, to you be, could still go in the truck. It'd be a pickup. Yeah, yeah. It'd be like, I don't know, the new, the new four-door F whatever, Harley Davidson that they build over the road. You know what I mean? I say <laughs> over the road, I mean in the US. <laughs> you know what I mean? Across the pond. Uh, yeah, it's got to be... As long, as long as it's a V8, I think I'm good. I'm a V8. I don't think... I think I'm my driveway... Or in my garage, yeah, whichever. What is, what is on my drive and in my garage. Oh, <laughs> yeah. um, I, I don't think I have anything other than V8s, Every, apart from one, which is my classic A86 uh, Toyota Corolla. Mm-hmm. Uh, other than that, I think everything I own is a V8. What's, what sort of things are we talking then? What have you Because uh, Yeah, I've, I've, I've had a little research on, I've seen a little Rolls-Royce that you've got, which is quite a, an interesting thing. Do you want to tell us? Yeah, right my roller. I built <laughs> I built that roller. Well, it was it was built, uh, semi-built on a TV show. Um, gosh, what was it called? Uh, Supercar Mega Built. Um, I, I, it was basically a drift car I built out of a 1979 Silver Shadow. And... It didn't quite work as a drift car for mechanical reasons, so I put it back into a street legal and put it on air ride, put it on uh, blown arched by this guy called Huxley Motorsport, which is amazing with the old English wheel. You know, you know those dying art boys, those yeah. dying art guys. He he was a drifter guy. I think he's gone into um, uh, straight lining now, into dragsters and stuff. Uh, but it, uh, there's a lot of custom stuff on this Rolls. It's absolutely bastardized by those who are um, purists. Like, people hate this car. But, oh my God, it's, it's such a beautiful, beautiful custom Rolls. And the reason I did it, and I'll tell you why, because 
I'm, I'm inspired by the US, I'm inspired by America, I'm inspired by their V8s, and I'm inspired of what they do to, to bring them up to date and keep them alive. The, the, custom, the customizing that a lot of those American shops do is so incredible. I said, well, look, why can't we do it with one of our cars and keep it alive? Keep those old roads alive. I mean, the, the Shadow is a classic. It is a V8. I think it's a 6.9 litre or something. Wouldn't pull you out of bed, but it's a lovely ride. You know what I mean? It's comfortable. But I decided it's like to driving kinda, a cloud, isn't it? It's a driving a cloud. Not one mind you're still on air. But it was trying to kind of keeping those cars alive. And I know the purists hate it, but do you know what? She's beautiful. And she sits on my drive real nice and she drives real nice. And I'm glad I did it. I'm glad I get it, did it regardless. But, you know, and, and that's, I'm into my American, like I said, I've got a Ford F350. I've got a Mark 1 Bronco. Uh, I've uh, got, what else? I've got into, uh, uh, I'm into my G-Wagons and stuff, which are all V8s. Um, Everyone's into a G-Wagon. I've got a squared. <laughs> I've got a, so I've got a, uh, oh no, I actually have a straight six one, which is a, an old um, G300. And I have a six hundred. That's the, the drug dealer spec. Uh, no, no, no. The three hundred is old. She's old nineteen ninety one. Um, so it, yeah, I, I kind of like, which is basically a classic now. Actually, that's probably my my other classic. Uh, my Rolls, my Twin Cam, my G, and then I have a Squared, which is the UAE ones. Kind of. I, I I just love cars. I love V8s. Yeah. I love cars. Yeah. I love everything about them. I forget the cars I have. You know what I mean? That's the, that's the mad mm-hmm. thing. At all points, I have at least three cars in builds somewhere around the UK <laughs> in different people's shops. I buy them and I go, right, let's customize this one, send it off to somebody and then just almost forget about it. And then I forget about it. It takes a year later that I haven't got another car that I like. So I buy another one and then send that off and then this one comes home and then I get another one, send that one off and this <laughs> one goes home. So it looks great for my wife because she thinks I only have like three cars at one time. <laughs> you know, but obviously Smart. they're all over the country. So. Do you know, listening to you with your kind of history with the caterums and with the Genettas and everything else, you clearly got to add an aerial atom to your collection. Don't like them. Really? Yeah, the aerial atoms are just... Have you driven one? Yet? No, I've never driven one. And, and see, it's a Can't funny... Can't say you don't like them like that. No, no. What I mean by this is, again, you'd have to make me get in one right. to drive and I'd probably love it as I a machine it. Yeah. and to yeah. respect the machine I don't like how they look it's not my style in car yeah. it's not it's just not me yeah. does that make sense yeah completely and I think it's important again in, in just in the world of, of of machines that you when you walk up to your machine it feels like you yeah. it's important to feel like you and that's if you see any of my my cars they're all custom built but they feel like me yeah. and, and that's why I love them and I was gonna like with especially with the, with the rolls as well. You were saying that you know some people are gonna absolutely hate it and say that it's you know it's it's not right. But at the end of the day, if you love what you've done to your car, that is all that matters. People say whatever they want about it, but it's it's not their car. So hundred percent. Yeah, you've got the purists, but you don't have to listen to them because I think well, you know what you have. Let's call us the world of car lovers. The entry level of customization is the boy racer. Mm-hmm. I love that because we're 17, 18 years old. We're spending our money. And what we think looks great. And I love the whole scene of Boy Racer scene, making a, uh, the engine note that bit louder and making it a little bit lower and a little bit wider and a little bit more brighter in colour and a sound more in stereo. Like all that kind of stuff is, is, is just your, you know, infant state of what you go on to be in cars. And that's to eventually buy your Aston Martin. So anyone, any of them Boy Racers, they're on the right path of becoming car lovers into the big rich stuff that... When you're older like myself, when you're more of a gentleman like myself, you'll find you, you buy a Rolls Royce. But back then, you're buying a Nova. You're getting in the Nova and loving the Nova. For those wondering, Shane was twirling his moustache when I was he there. said that. I had one of them once. <laughs> I've got an invitation for you because I think you'll love this and I reckon you're going to do it. And I'm almost risking breaking an embargo on something we're okay. setting up and I'm going to go down it anyway. <laughs> right? So we have been in discussion with 
BW. Okay. And we're going to make a special feature when the new GTI comes out with all the GTIs, every iteration. Oh, really? At a track. Wow. Now, we don't have enough people to drive them all. <laughs> we're going to need a, a few extra drivers. Do you want to jump in? If it's a Mark 1, I'll, I'll do it. We can put you in a Mark 1. Yeah, put me in a Mark 1 and I'm yeah. there. <laughs> Steve, who's, who's arranging it, is just nodding. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll put you in a, a Mark 1. Because that's my heritage. That's my first car I ever bought after my pickup truck. Mm. So, uh, yeah, a Mark 1 GTI, I'll, I'm there. I'll be starting at the back in the new one. So we'll first. see. We'll see how rubbish I am. <laughs> Do you know, yeah. let me give you a, a silly little trivial, silly little points as a car mechanic. Do you know, do you know how I got uh, the, the diesel gearbox has a slightly longer force gear um, in the Mark 1s than the petrols ever did. So when I blew my gearbox up in, in the Mark 1, uh, obviously I put a diesel gearbox in and I always had that extra slight leg on the next GTI. Oh, you know what I mean? And that's what car guys, that's what customising is all about, getting that next little bit that nobody else knows. <laughs> that's smart. <laughs> it's all about the edge. That's it. Shane, what a pleasure, man. I mean, so we're there or thereabouts with Le Mans Classic. I think you, you basically said yes. I basically said yes. yes. <laughs> we can sort it we're out. We're going to say that it's a yes. It's on, it's on record. I reckon if we can get you in a Ferrari F40 round Silverstone, that would work. It'd be nice, right? <laughs> and it's pretty much a yes to our GTI thing. Yes. If GTI down there. On. Yeah, I'm there. It's a deal. <laughs> it's a deal. Awesome. Done deal. I'm on. I'm on. Man, thank you so much. Pleasure. What a pleasure. I haven't spoke cars for a long time. Uh -huh. So some of my memory was slightly clouded, <laughs> but I think I got most of it in. But no, thank you for the talk. It was nice to kind of reminisce on my, uh, on my half too. So yeah, brilliant. Love it, man. Thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you. Happy days. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Wow, wasn't that great? Well, as promised, here is your second two for the price of one recording, this time with Mark Lyon from GTO Engineering. And for this one, I'm back in front of a mic. Hooray! Thank you in advance for lending us your ears as ever. Once you're fully fulfilled with this week's pod, do me a solid and hop onto the review section of your podcast provider as we love reading your lovely comments. Why not tell us what you want to hear from the pod or perhaps suggest a guest you'd like us to feature? As always, find us on the social channels at Driven Chat and see all of what we do at drivenchat.com. Now, without further ado, here's Andy, Amy, and me talking to Mark Lyon from GTO Engineering. The Driven Chat podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. Well, hello there. Good How are you doing? How's Very it well, going? thank you. And you? I'm, well, listen, I, I was just chatting to the audience, but I love that you said hello as well, Mark. That's, <laughs> that's really well. kind of you. Uh, so it's the first time I've ever had a, a driven chat pod where we say hello more than once. So I'm just going <laughs> to just going to welcome the listener. We are coming at you. You know, usually we, we do this from the truck and we go all over the place. Well, we've come all over the place now, but we're not in the truck. We're sitting in a very nice office in a very nice place. And John, Amy and myself have just had an afternoon that none of us will ever forget. I think it's probably one of the best days of my life so far. Not even going to be silly about that. <laughs> I love that. So I'm going to hand the, uh, the explanation duties over to, frankly, the listener's favourite, John Markar. <laughs> John, tell us where we are, why we're here and who we're talking to. Thank you, Andy. Yes, we're sat in the offices of GTO Engineering in Reading. Uh, a wonderful company that I'll be honest, I didn't know an awful lot about before today uh, until I was told that I'd be driving a revival version of a 250 short wheelbase Ferrari, which um, I am still 
beaming, <laughs> having driven. Absolutely incredible. Um, what an incredible car. And we'll talk about the, 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 amazing, um, the amazing experience of driving that car. But of course, we need to introduce Mark. Mark, you are the owner I am. of GTO Engineering. Thank you so much for having us. It's right. wonderful to be here. Um, yeah, I guess, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about GTO Engineering, why, you, why you're here and what's got you here and about some of the cars that we've been looking at and driving and yeah. Yeah, so we started in 1991, um, roughly, and uh, before that I worked for several Ferrari businesses um, and some car dealers, running their workshops, and uh, got a lot of experience rebuilding cars. We restored a lot of cars in the 80s and the 90s, um, and then decided to go on my own, mainly doing engines and gearboxes to start with, because I had no room. I was in a little tiny garage at home. And then uh, we got some premises in Harrow, um, which was small as well, started taking on staff. We were there for three years, and then we were asked to take over Tony Marek's restoration business, which is in just up the road from where we are now, about a mile up the road. And uh, we were there for 12 or 13 years, and we grew from, you know, half a dozen people up to 30 people. Um, and now we're between 40 and 50. Um, we opened a place in Los Angeles... Um, we also had a place in Atlanta at one time. We've closed that now, and we've just got Los Angeles. So that's kind of the journey so far. Amazing. And to give an overview of what you do here, because I think it's it's almost mind-blowing. We had a quick walk around when we first arrived, um, greeted into workshops and, and stock rooms with parts that was like an Aladdin's cave for any Ferrari owner. Um, you, you essentially build <clears throat> wonderful cars, classic cars, Ferraris with chassis numbers and VIN numbers to recreate a car that is inaccessible, let's say, to the vast majority of people. For example, the two, the 250 short wheelbase that we were driving this afternoon, I, I, I dread to think what the, what the real McCoy versions of those are selling for now, but it's, it's 30 million plus, isn't it? I think it, it can be, yeah. I mean, the backbone and, and basis of the company is, is restoration of original cars. Brilliant. And, and race preparation and event support and servicing as well of course but um we started building the recreation cars just over 10 years ago um actually we, we started in 2008 which was you know the world was pretty upside down then mm-hmm. and we we knew we were going to have a very quiet year because in this industry we've seen it before you know people people don't run out of money but they just stop doing things they just sit on their hands yeah so we decided it was a great opportunity for us to go and build a car so we started in 2008 and uh, we thought we'd maybe build five cars, and we're now we're in our thirty-fifth car. So <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's been good, and we've we've done a Testarossa, California Spider. Um, so yeah, it's been it's been a good journey. I got to ask you, Mark. We're sitting here <coughs> in a truly phenomenal building. Okay, we you know your your office is beautiful. It was probably someone's living room at some point. It's a proper mansion house that we're sitting in with lovely grounds, and there's a tennis court over there, etc. There's the two fifty short wheelbase that you've built sitting over there on the driveway. It's one of several you've got kind of littered around this amazing place. Are you living the dream? No. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, as a child, if you, if you, is, is like, childhood you could see what grown-up you is doing, you wouldn't think that that child would be like, oh, man, I'm looking forward to my grown-up life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it looks really exotic probably from the outside, but it's just about engineering and making things and fixing things and... and finding a better way to do it 
Um, I think the engineering side of this is really the bit that makes me want to get up in the morning. Mm. Yeah, I love driving the cars. They're great fun. I mean, we've been, we've had a, I mean, despite lockdown, which has obviously been awful for everybody, yeah. we've had great fun using the cars because there's been no traffic. <laughs> yeah. And we, we, no one wanted their cars because they were all locked up. You know, they were all sort of frightened and understandably and in their houses. And we were just like driving the cars around. It was fantastic. I mean, we're more than happy to help you if there's another. <laughs> <laughs> we'd, we'd, we'd kind of. Uh, I mean, if, it looks like if we, if we do go into a second lockdown, then you know, three of us, we can take three cars off your hand. You know, no make problem. a bit of workshop yeah. space for happy you. Happy to bubble in in this lovely office. Yeah. We could bubble. Yeah. We could all bubble here. <laughs> yeah, Definitely no. not an issue. <laughs> no, it's been good, and the staff have been driving them, and we've all had fun. Even the girls have been driving them, so it's been yeah, it's been great. So when you said, so I said, are you living the dream? Your your immediate answer was no. So what is the dream? I think. The dream for me is we're gonna we're gonna make a car of our own, okay. Which is our next quite a big step, and I think that's probably going to be very exciting for me because it's engineering, it's it's working out how to do things and looking at problems and you know when you're just repairing what was already there, that's different from making something entirely new. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's going to be a dream. Yeah. So your <clears throat> your brain, the thing that excites you, is fixing a puzzle. Yeah, I mean, first of all, it's 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 working out how you fix the puzzle, and then the best way to fix it. Right. Um, so yeah, that, that's 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 really what drives me. I mean, repairing cars, building engines, all that stuff. Yeah, great. But you get to a stage where you want to do something else. So my question is. Why Ferrari? Is it simply because that's the background you came from? You were working for Ferrari, or why not 911s? Why not classic Mercedes? Yeah. Why not old BMWs? Yeah, good question. Well, so the background I came from, we were doing quite a bit of Porsche work, a lot of Jaguar work, quite a lot of Aston Martin work, and a lot of race cars. Um, and we... <clears throat> Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact... You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. We kind of got, we did a lot of bizzerinis, we did all sorts of nonsense, because when you start a business, you you just got to keep busy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you, you, know, you don't sort of think, oh, I'm going to do this, mm -hmm. because you can't, you haven't got that luxury. And then as, as things developed, we sort of thought, and I'd done most work on Ferraris out of everything, mm -hmm. and particularly in the, in the early years when I was working for other people, I did a lot of Ferrari work, and we just sort of thought, oh, I think we're just going to do Ferraris and stop, we were busy. Mm -hmm. So we thought we'll just stop doing, oh, not stop, but slow down the other stuff. You know, we've 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 won the TT twice with an e-type at Goodwood. You know, we're not we're not we're not precious about Ferrari, but we just 
One of the re- real reasons for specialising in Ferrari was because we wanted to do parts. Right. Parts business is a big part of this business. And if you're going to try and do multiple different makes of car, that's really difficult. Mm. So we just said, no, we'll specialise in Ferrari, which is what we've done. That's fair enough. And I hear all sorts of, I don't want to say horror stories, because that's probably the wrong um, the wrong phrase, but difficulties in trying to do anything officially associated with the brand Ferrari. Mm. How has that journey been for you? Is it, it, do you find yourself hitting brick walls occasionally? Or are they Are they difficult people to deal with or... Yeah, I think I think probably impossible is a better answer. <laughs> <laughs> so the rumours are true. Rumours are true. Yeah. I mean, they are just incredibly arrogant. Yeah. Um, don't want any help. Do a lot of things well and a lot of things really badly. Mm. But it's just like a closed book. We we sell, you know, I hope I won't get in trouble for this, but we sell to Ferrari, but it's always through a third party. Gotcha. So we'll get someone ring us up. Uh, the way it works is we'll get someone ring us up and say, right, I need a crankshaft for a 250. I mean, it's just for example. Yeah. And two days later, the Ferrari factory will ring us up and, s- and ask us a technical question about it because it's actually gone there. Brilliant. It's just... So it's you can always nuts. tell. It's all nuts. So, the car, so your bits are actually going to Marinello, going yeah, on to yeah, cars. It's sure, incredible, yeah. isn't it? What an endorsement. It's not really yeah. incredible. It's, it's not really an endorsement because we can't really talk about it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. <clears throat> a fair point. Yeah, because you'd be able to... Pop that on the website makes a bit of a difference. Yeah, it'd be nice, it? but, yeah. but but they no. Well, the Ferrari don't really make anything. I mean, they make obviously they make the modern cars, but for the old cars, they make nothing. Have they commented on the ones you're producing? Yes, they have. Um, it's kind of something they don't really want to talk about because I think they don't like it. But at the same time, it's like, well, what do we do about it? Mm. Unless you're making them yourselves, Ferrari, then you know. Yeah, I mean, they probably could. We, we've taken pretty, you know, we spent a lot of money on lawyers to make sure we were thought we were safe, and mm. I hope we are, But which is one of the reasons for making our own car. We want to get away from... Yeah, yeah, safeguarding the future. Okay. Yeah. But, yeah. <coughs> but the thing is, Mark, you know, it's not like you're, you know, you, you are being very loyal to the original machine. Mm. It's it's not like you're a, a Carnes, for example, you're strapping on a body kit or, a, you know, or you're kind of tweaking with it or a singer even you know yeah. where it's where you're, you're taking a, a model and you're obviously pimping it as it were yeah i'm not kind of knocking singer as a pimp mm. no, it's a great company it's a great company but you know what i mean as in you're not that 250 short wheelbase that we were we were having a lovely time playing with is as close to what it would have been when it came out of the factory from ferrari originally yeah yeah no I and mean, i don't think it's a bad product if we if we were doing a you know a plastic bodied you know Nissan derived thing that would be a totally <laughs> different story, I think. Yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. But no, you are, as, as Andy said, you are being very loyal to to what Ferrari are all about and everything that's I know like their character and and everything about them. So I don't really know how anyone could look at it and be like, "That's not Ferrari," because it is. <laughs> it's interesting because I so I in my the jammy career that I've had so far, I've been very fortunate to drive a lot of very wonderful classic cars and a Ferrari 250 short wheelbase is, is one of the ones I've been able to drive an original car and it was a, a wonderful experience but I spent the entire day that I was in fact two days I had with this particular car I spent the entire two days on in very hot weather a bit like we have today the day that we're recording this podcast is exceptionally warm <laughs> for the time of year and I drove around the entire day constantly looking at the oil temperature and at the water temperature yeah, yeah. listening to the fueling on the car is the, is the fuel running hot it's, it needs to cool down constantly and it, it it does you know whilst driving that car 
I'm not going to say it wasn't special at all, because of course it was. But there was an element of stress that I really wish I didn't have to think about. Now, I've just spent the afternoon ripping around in your 250, and because of the, the classic car driver in me, you instinctively constantly look to the oil temperature, you constantly look to the water temperature, and the dials didn't move at all. So very quickly, you kind of warm into this comfort of going, ah, so this is... <laughs> A completely legit thing. It's got the V12 raw. It's got the driving position. It's got the handling. It's got the lightweight. I think, what is it? Just over a 1,000 kilos on that yeah. car. It's got everything you want from the 250. <clears throat> but it works. <laughs> and I don't want, you know, I say that with risk of upsetting Ferrari. Um, because, of course, classic cars, especially in the area that they, they were designed, they were difficult things to drive in comparison to the vast majority of modern cars that you can go and buy today. So I almost feel like you've created something that is just ever so slightly better for somebody that actually wants to use that car. And, of course, then we come back to the price, you know, thinking about, as, as, you know, as I said when we started talking, the price of a 250 short wheelbase, many, many, many millions of pounds. And you're producing something for... Correct me if I'm wrong. Starting from seven fifty, yeah, it's a fraction of the price to pay. It's not a not a small amount of money. I'll you know. I'll well, look, well, I mean, while we're talking about the price, etc., Mark, you know, John and I really, really loved the car. Is there any movement on the? Movement, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 movement upwards. <laughs> I was. I, I joked. <laughs> <laughs> I joked earlier at the idea of there perhaps being some sort of PCP deal that yeah, yeah, <laughs> I might yeah, yeah. be able to put on. We have done finance for guys. Yeah. Everyone finances everything. Well, exactly. You know, why, why wouldn't you? Because money's so cheap. Mm, mm. But no, it is, it, is a, it is a wonderful thing. And I, I guess love that you've, you've planted a seed in John's head. <laughs> he's now just scrabbling for something to say. It is a, I mean, it's a, hang on, you do what? <laughs> and what, the, the, what would the monthly payment be? <laughs> yeah. just, I'm, just I, I'm looking for uh, about 780 months. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, it's, yeah. It, it, it's, I, I'm sure there will be people out there. Because again, there'll be many sceptics that will be looking at what you're doing here and thinking, oh, but it can't be that good. It... it Again, the world of kit cars is a... It's, I almost feel like I'm swearing if I say the phrase kit car because <laughs> it's so far from a kit. It's, this is an absolute real McCoy. And, of course, one of your engineers was explaining to me in, the, in one of the workshops that the bodies are actually hand-built here in the UK as well. Yep. And that's up in Coventry, somewhere yes. around there, isn't it? So wonderful that, as a <clears throat> customer, you are able to walk get yourself a brand new product because again restoration can be quite a scary terminology for a lot of people because yes you can give your original 250 to a garage and hope that they produce something good and hope that they restore it the way that it is but you're always thinking at your back of your mind is there corrosion you know is are, are there things if there is there anything that they've missed but this is a brand new pretty much nut and bolt isn't it you take an original engine but then put that into an up and you Strip no, down and new, rebuild. It's a new engine. Oh, it is well, a yeah, new why don't you talk we, us through we, it? We, yeah. make, we, make, the we make the whole engine. So yeah, what's the time timeline process of it all? Well, we we always are building engines all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think in 2019, I think we sold 16 engines. So we make quite a few engines a year. Plus, we've got a reproduction car engines because people want spare engines for their cars. Um, and we've we, we've remade every single bit of it. The only things we don't make is the carburetors. Mm-hmm. We make every other component that's there: all the plumbing, all the water pipes, all the oil pipes, all the castings, every single piece. Brilliant. And I assume you just strap on a few Webers and away you go. It's not quite as simple. I mean, can you tell us a bit more about this this new car that you've kind of like um, yeah alluded to, and then 
not continue. Yeah, so we we've there's two there's there's two there's a few things going on in this whole game. One is is that we're running out of donor cars, so we we need a donor car to build the cars we've got because you can't. You know, we're not we're not Ferrari. We're not a manufacturer, so we need we need donor cars, which are getting harder and harder to find and more expensive, of course. Mm-hmm. So, and we've also got the thing where we think we should make our own car and not be relying on old cars and Ferraris to find them. We don't just incidentally we don't break up good cars. We only mm-hmm. take wrecked cars. Mm-hmm. So people say, oh, you shouldn't be making this into a wreck because it's wrong. The, the, you know, the cars are never going to be restored. Never. What kind of yeah? What kind like of car? Like a two fifty GTE or something. But if it's got an engine and gearbox missing, yeah. it's completely rusty. Maybe it's mm. got burnt. Yeah, a bit of fire yeah. damage. You know, yeah. it's just like it's never going to be rebuilt. They're never going to be worth it. I mean, maybe in thirty years' time, but yeah. not at the moment. So, but so we wanted to build our own car with our own badge on it. Mm-hmm. We wanted a short wheelbase type of car, so something very analog, not digital, because. We drive, you know, we do drive the modern hypercar, supercar things. But frankly, if you put a blindfold on, you don't know what you're driving. They're all the same. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted something that was really good fun. You don't have to go, you know, a thousand miles an hour to feel like a hero. You, you, mm-hmm. know, you can go at moderate speeds and feel like it's you're really having a lot of fun. So we're going to make our own V12 engine and uh, a quad cam, four litre probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and... Uh, we're going to do a very very lightweight car, be under a ton. Um, <coughs> it's gonna, it's gonna. I'll show you some pictures in a minute. But it's gonna. How, have you, some how are you keeping it under a ton? Carbon fiber. Carbon carbon fiber body with some uh, aluminium closing panels. So bonnet, boot, and doors in aluminium. Yeah. Um, and and of course there will be the, there will be options that will make it be weigh more than a ton. Mm. But if you want, if you really want that lightweight, fantastic experience. It'll be, you know, have a fantastic power-to-weight ratio. Um, and it's, yeah, it's going to be very exciting. And what are you thinking? How, how long, how far away is this? Yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. <laughs> you know, we, we would like to launch it to the press in the next six weeks. Oh, wow. wow. Right. Super soon. But that's <laughs> all, that'll be renderings and, and, you know, ideas, not physical Got you. Gotcha. Because what you want to do, you know, we're, we're a small company. We're not, we're not, we're not someone who can do you know millions of pounds of market mm. research mm. and all that stuff we, we just kind of go by our feelings and mm. so we want to show it to everyone and go do you think it's a good idea do you think it's cool yeah and if they say no that's not really the right thing we'll have to rethink but i think people will like it so excellent we're um that's kind of the way we're doing it we're we're ready to push the button on the engine project um which we will i hope this year and likewise the body i think will be we've made a model um, digital model, you know, I think we could go into production or start making in a year's time. Fantastic. You've, yeah. you've said you're going to tell the press in about six weeks, but I think I heard you say, I'll show you some pictures in a minute. Is there, <laughs> any, is there any chance we could have a little sneaky peek? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know, appreciate this, this doesn't work Ooh. very well. Oh, I've just noticed the red folder that's been oh. sat directly in front of me that says <laughs> new designs. <laughs> I'm, I'm guessing when we're not allowed to describe what we see. Is that right? You can. Oh, not I mean, you can do an R about it if you want. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, I mean, uh, uh, can I? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, so for, for the, the benefit of the listener, yeah. Come on, John, carry <laughs> and, on. Andy is now <laughs> opening up the red folder that says GTO new designs on it, and I'm watching his facial oh. expression. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> oh no, that that is gorgeous. <laughs> Who's designed this? 
Uh, it was mainly Charlie and I came up with the ideas, and then we got a guy to draw it for us. That is so. Obviously, there's a whole load of two fifty in there. Yeah. There's also. I'll just hold it up for the guys. <coughs> oh, oh, hello. No, yeah. Been handed. Hello. There's a whole load of two fifty. There's there's a real Bond vibe. There is coming off the page here. Wonderful. It is like imagine. I don't want to say too much, but yeah, it, no, I know what you mean. I know exactly you know, what you mean. Do you know yes, what I mean? Yeah. But it's I think when you said, yeah, like if, if, if Bond drove a more modern Ferrari, which yeah. wasn't. I, I think, the, <laughs> I think the, the best way to put this is if... Oh, look at the bum. If, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm, just, I'm looking at the same photo <laughs> yeah, as you. Yeah. I think if you like the look of a 250 short wheelbase, and let's be honest, who doesn't? Yeah. Because it is it's the, one, of, one the of the prettiest cars in the ever world. to be created. Yes. Uh, you're really going to like this. You are. And I don't think I need to say much more than that <laughs> from a description point of view. It's, so it's wonderful. Sorry, in, Amy. In terms of how Ooh. many, like when you when you, you know, show this to the world, are you hoping for X amount of orders first before you start building or how many are you hoping to build a, a year or is it just going to see how the reaction is first? I think we're going to make it limited numbers. Mm -hmm. and we, haven't, we haven't chosen a number yet because I'll be interested to hear what you guys think. But <laughs> we think I think it should be somewhere between 25 and 60. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Mind you, you know, they were only going to make 400 of the F40s and they ended up I making 1,315. So but wouldn't you be annoyed if you were that first like order of like 400 and you'd be like, yeah, there's only going to be 400, then it's like, oh, I'd, have, I'd have an F40. But I it happens. Right. It, it still happens to this day. You know, Look Porsche come out with these ideas. Yeah. It's gorgeous, isn't it? Have you seen that one? I'm not. I'm still looking yeah. through. This is, this is. Yeah. All <laughs> manufacturers so do. So when I said, are you living the dream? And the answer was no. Is it <laughs> once this is built, well, the answer is yes. Think, I think that'll be, you have to keep doing something new. Yeah. Because otherwise, if you just. This is very, very nice. So. And will you be able to Ferrari badge it? No. I don't want to. Okay. Just because I'm obviously looking at this. Picture. Yeah, I know. I'm already These are my, earlier my pictures, so the later oh, pictures are Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, there, so we're, we're taking that off. Start. Yeah, right, it's, right, it's right, right. kind of... Are you going to have your own badge? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what it's going to look like yet? No. I was going to say, is it, is it in this picture here? Yeah, well, that that is. we just put that on just for something because it was yeah. like, what do we put on there, but... Amazing. We could uh, we could have a competition if you like. We're, <laughs> we're, we're followed by a few few quite cool designers. That is okay. a good point. In fact, in fact, I I I know a few very good designers. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm I'm not suggesting that you you hand it over to the listeners of the Driven Chat <laughs> to design the badge that's going on this phenomenal machine. But if you want to, then we could speak about it. <laughs> yeah, well, why not? So, <laughs> Mark, I'm always fascinated when, when meeting people such as yourself who clearly have a great vision for not only fixing, servicing and engineering somebody, somebody's product that already exists, but also you know, developing something special like your revival cars here and now having aspirations to go on and make your own car. I'd love to, I'd love to know, where did the journey start for you? What, what is it that's got you to this point? Was it as a child? For me, you know, and I think for a lot of people, it's always there's a dad or an uncle or you know, parents that kind of get you excited by cars. What would you say was your, your earliest memory that perhaps has got you to the seat you're in now? I think I, I always loved cars when I was a kid. You, know, you read all the car magazines as you did then and, and you, know, you knew everything off by heart and all the performance figures. <laughs> and the, yeah, all those all those anoraki things that you know when you're a kid <laughs> I, I didn't i wasn't even going to go into this industry my dad was an engineer but i wasn't going to go into this industry i was going to go into electronics right and at the last minute i thought oh do you know what i'm not sure if i want to be sitting there doing putting circuit boards all day long 
And so I spoke to my dad and he said, just get an engineering qualification, then you can do not anything but lots of things. Mm. Opens your horizons. So Yeah, so I did that. And then, funnily enough, a guy came to the college who restored Ferraris <laughs> and said, I'd like to employ you. And uh, that's where it all started. And then from then I was in the car game. How old were you at that point? 16. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so was that like apprenticeship level then? Yeah. Oh, brilliant. Excellent. And it's just gone... On and on and on. Well, I guess it is. Yeah, I mean, you don't you don't think about it. You just don't every day. <laughs> so, like, well, in your dream garage, then is it all Ferraris? Are we now you just like fed up because you work with them all the time? No, actually, it's not all Ferraris. <laughs> people people ask me, this and they're quite surprised. No, it's, it wouldn't be all Ferraris. No. What's your What's your daily? Audi. Is it? Oh, is it the the RS six that it I is, see yeah. over my shoulder? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You were you were well, saying some very good cars. things about that. I, got, I was. I, I joked with the guys outside and said that is the the hardest set of keys that I've ever had to give back to a press office. <laughs> I took one for a, for a fantastic adventure all around Europe, and uh, yes, what a thing! What, the modern <laughs> the modern one or the old in fact one? it was the one, it was the shape before yours with the, the, the big V ten. Big oh, V ten. One of those best car. Oh, just a <laughs> wonderful, unbelievably <laughs> great car. Why do they stop making them? For I know. Sake? Why I did know. you let it go? I'd done 90,000 miles on it. I was waiting for it to go up like a hand Keep grenade. Keep going. <laughs> 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 it's a very good we, point. We, we chipped it to like 680 horsepower. I was about to ask if you did yeah, something to it. Yeah, and we yes. just had so much fun in that. <laughs> there's, something, there's something joyous about driving something with, for all intents and purposes, a supercar engine under the bonnet. Yeah. But you've got massaging heated and air-conditioned seats with a Bang & Olufsen sound system around you, the ability to put a dog in the boot if you really wanted to. Yeah, you just can put a gearbox in the boot. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it, was, it was a van. It was my car was a van. I was going, what are you doing putting that in there? I was going, it's just what I do. <laughs> That's when you know you're a cool engineering company, when you turn up in an RS6 Avant to put a gearbox in the back, yeah. put a tarpaulin down, that'll protect yeah, it. That's yeah. fine. Amazing. Amazing. So... I'm, I'm imagining myself sat at home or driving in the car and I listen to this podcast getting awfully excited about these uh, about the idea of perhaps owning a, a 250 short wheelbase or one of the recreation models that you do. How do people, how do people find what you do? What do they need to have? Um, you mentioned the project when it comes to building one of the revival cars, having a donor car. Is it crucial that me as John sitting at home with a big pile of money, is it crucial that I have a donor car with me or can I come to you and say, right, I've got this much money, here's what I want to have, can you just go and make it for me? What happens is is that we, if, if someone has their own donor car, that's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But more often than not, people don't have a donor car or don't mm. know how to source one. So we will, we will, we will source the, the donor car or help them source the donor car and then they will purchase the donor car and say, right, I want you to... It's two separate transactions. I mm -hmm. want you to turn this donor car into this. Gotcha. That's the way the contract works. So we're doing a restoration on an on on antique vehicle. Okay. Even though we're actually transforming it into something different. But that, that's the way it works. Fabulous. But when John <coughs> comes to you and he hasn't got a donor car, because <laughs> he hasn't. How much am I buying this yeah. donor car for? Yeah, that's can, a good what, what can you help him out in that, in that department? Well, you, you don't actually need, need anything physical. Okay. All it needs, frankly, is you, you, need, you need an identity to use. Mm -hmm. So that, that's the way it works. And it can be, you know, it can be a 250, it can be a 365, it can be a 330. We've had people use later cars. I'm not so keen about doing that. Mm. Um, that's one thing I was going to ask, actually. So what, what is the comfortable age bracket? I'm, I assume if somebody walks in with a 550 Maranello bin number, you're well, probably the not The trouble is you're into kind of... You know, cats and emissions, and yes. it just yeah, gets of course, a bit. Of course, it just yeah. gets a bit more messy, and 
it just somehow doesn't feel quite right. You know, when when you're turning a a three thirty into a two fifty, you kind of go, yeah, I, I get that. Mm. But when you're when you're getting, you know, we we had a guy who came who wanted to do a Mondial, and I was like, really? You know, that's just just feels crazy. Mm. Um, and he didn't do it in the end. But I mean, so I th- I think it needs to be at the at the, the most modern car I'd like to use is an early seventies car. Gotcha. So within ten years or twelve mm. years of when they made the, the car, yeah. And what's <coughs> the so? Let's say John has found something because he's going to get on Auto Trader in a minute. <laughs> and he Best comes. Like if you do, by the way, because yeah. <laughs> you've already bought them. <laughs> but for the sake of argument, just to play out the timeline, John comes back in. You know, Amy and I pack up the car, and John's off having a little chat to you because he's got something. What's the turnaround from John's? Mm lump sum deposit, how long before he can be driving what we just had fun with back home? It's about 18 months. Is that all right for you, John? That's fine. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that gives me time to commit all the crimes necessary to pay the bill. Do you need any upfront payment, Mark, or are you... Ah, (laughs) (laughs) I need to rethink things a little bit then in that case. Yeah, you might have to sell a a couple of things that you've already got. Yeah, and and things I don't yet own. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And who's your typical customer? Is it people? The one thing, ah, he, yeah, because here's one of the things I was going to ask. Do you find you have customers that have the real deal that then want something that is similar? Because I've heard of that happening in the world of historic racing. Yeah, there are people that will be, um, and this is a, possibly a subject that I, I feel a, a few people sat at home might be might be wondering. Um, you hear interesting stories about uh, cars at big historic events. With I'm thinking things like Le Mans Classic, Monaco Historic. Goodwood Revival to a certain degree, and there are conversations, shall we say, there are rumours and conversations and whispers going around that, ah, yeah, you know, you see, you see that 250 GTO there, that's not actually a real 250 mm-hmm. GTO, or see that E-Type there, that's not actually a real one. Is this something you are aware of? Can you comment on? Have you, what's your thoughts on it? Because to me, as a historic motorsport fan, I, as amazing as it, is, as it is to see these beautiful cars sliding around a racetrack, the magic is spoiled somewhat when somebody taps me on the shoulder and goes, it's not yeah, it looks real. great, but it's not actually real. It's a, it's a recreation. Why, why is the magic spoiled? I think for me, because it's the history of a car that's been peddled around Mille Miglia or Targa Florio or something similar like that, and it's still there. It still lives. It's still yeah. being driven <clears throat> for the purpose it was designed to do. Would you still feel... I'm not, you know, I'm just sort of playing devil's advocate. Sure. <laughs> Would you still feel the same way if the car was scrumpled up into a ball? After a big accident. See now, there that that I guess is is the ultimate argument for me. Would I be happier ensuring a revival, a revival and a recreation? Yes. Would I be happier crashing a re- recreation and revival? Yes. But again, it's for me, it's that magic. Obviously, I can talk hypothetically because I can't afford to <laughs> get a two hundred and fifty GTO and race it at Goodwood Revival. Um, but the magic of the people that are there to see those cars driving, I get it. I completely understand the reasoning. But do you think there should be more clarity, openness and honesty on the fact that the cars that are being driven, not all of them, but the, some of the cars that are out on those circuits are recreations? I would absolutely love it if everybody was racing an original car. Yeah. it's people, Now, we make revival cars. I would still love it if every single car on the grid at Goodwood Revival was an original car. The facts of the matter are they're not. Mm. I would say of the high-value historic cars that race at Goodwood, 50% are fakes, mm. revivals or replicas or whatever you want to call them. Sure, You know, and it's it's sometimes you just got to face up to the, that's the way life is. Yeah. You know, and get over it and move on. Mm. Because 
yeah, I, I take entirely on you know your point of view that you know it's kind of a bit of history and it should be used, and it's absolutely right. But there are people who would say, well, actually, you know, if the car's going to, because Goodwood's very, very competitive. Absolutely right. So, you know, it's not a, it's not a parade. Mm. It's a proper racetrack with some really, really ambitious drivers. Mm-hmm. Um, and people would say, well, you shouldn't actually, you shouldn't actually endanger an original car by doing that. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm not going to come out either way. I'm just saying those are the facts. Gotcha. That's a very fair answer. <laughs> very, very fair answer. Mark, we've had a really special afternoon here. I guess that's something you get quite regularly. Although I, I doubt there are many people that can just kind of rock up and drive your... Have a go. <laughs> 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 it's, not a, it's not a common thing. I never actually checked if we were insured, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely checked. Oh, I was, okay. I was, that was a, a slight concern of mine. So, uh, yeah. But no, I've definitely... This afternoon, it's just been fabulous. Just being yes. able to have the joy of which each of our faces, I think, that came back after our little, like, trip in the car. Matt, just... Mark, your, your, your smile was just beaming for... Right. I got the uh, I definitely got the long straw, which was the final drive of the car, because all three of us had a drive of the car. And then, of course, our wonderful production crew needed the panning shots, the the driving shots, the sound, and uh, yeah, I just happened to be the last one in the car, <laughs> which, yeah, which was uh, it was it uh, was stage deliberate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's he's the kind of most competent of the drivers amongst us. <laughs> then it's Amy. Then it'll be me. There was a lot of money on me stacking it, binning it, oh, stalling no. it repeatedly. Well, you didn't stall it. No, I, was I the, stalled the it. The only one that times. didn't stall it. I stalled yeah. it a good number of times because it was the yeah the clutch is sharp. It is yeah. super sharp. Yeah. yeah. But um, I mean, for anyone that has experienced the magic, which is the sound of oh, that that era of V12. It, ju- it just, it does things to you. It sends oh, it's a proper symphony, isn't it? Is it, really a it is the, it's, you know, it's 27 degrees today, but it still gives you hairs standing up on the back of your neck when you when you get in that car and you, yeah, just go into the gears. It's, yeah. it's like something else. No, it is, well, we, Kevin, my foreman and I have been, that particular car, we've used it a lot this summer. I think we've done 1,500 miles on it. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. And, uh, it's just we've driven it in rain and you know, everywhere. It's just been great. It's a cracking car. Yeah. You're producing quite a lot of magic here, Mark. Thank you for sharing it with us. Absolutely. Brilliant. Absolutely. Perfect. All right. Well, look, I mean, we've got to wait six weeks, but we've at least seen some images. I think the future is <laughs> going to be very exciting for you. Absolutely. Yeah, so. And where do people follow if they want to if they want to see that car for the first time? Is there a is there a social handle they should be looking out for? I think that we'll we'll do that when we when we're ready to. Go to the public with it. Brilliant. So that's all Hannah's game. I don't do any of that stuff. I, I, no I'm, worries I'm just, at all. I'm just a very boring engineer. <laughs> well, you've been really great company. Thank you very much for your time, Mark. Thanks for coming. Appreciate it. The Driven Chat Podcast in association with Paramex Digital. You dream it, we bring it to life. Find out more at drivenchat.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Oh, wow. You've made it to the end. The very end and it's john markar here again reminding you that this podcast the driven chat podcast has now run its course and has come to an end to find the new format search the driven podcast in your preferred podcast app or head on over to the website driven.site to find some quick and easy links 
through to the new episodes in the new formats on your preferred apps. Thanks. Bye.